Moso God, waken me in the middle of the night. And I said to God, I want to fast. And let me tell you why I fast so much. It doesn't matter, a whole day, a couple of days, no food, only water, you know, limited or certain foods or TV, whatever it is that I decide to sacrifice. Do you know that God doesn't wait to after we have finished the thing to receive? Do you know the purpose of the fast is not to receive the results after you have fast? No, the purpose of a fast is to receive the results immediately. I have to teach you because you are connected to me. And God is teaching you how to become a tither when it comes to fasting. See, you tithe in your fast. You tithe in your walk. You tithe in your determination. It's not just financially with currency. You are a tither. A tither is a person who gives. That means it's voluntarily. I'm giving this over to you. Holy and presentable. Whatever you want to sacrifice to hear, to see, to encounter, an outcome beforehand, a result beforehand, that's what a fast is for. That's why the disciple says, we can't do what you're doing, Christ. Some miracles come by fasting and praying. He doesn't mean after you fast, then there goes the miracle. No, because that person was right there in front of them needing a right now miracle. So the moment you make up in your mind, I'm going to sacrifice for this miracle. I'm going to sacrifice for this breakthrough. I'm going to sacrifice for my family. I'm going to sacrifice for my health. I'm going to sacrifice regarding wealth. I'm going to sacrifice regarding community. I'm going to sacrifice regarding unity. I'm going to sacrifice regarding those who are not hearing. Those who not see, those who not walking, those who lost sight. I'm gonna sacrifice as an intercessor. I'm gonna sacrifice for those who feel trouble. I'm gonna sacrifice for those who continue to move forward. I'm gonna sacrifice for those who walking upright. I'm gonna sacrifice for those who not aware they have not been made right. I'm gonna sacrifice for those to come off those worldly addictions. I'm gonna sacrifice that we continue to walk, and all we do is walk and walk with God so well. And the moment you decide, I decide to sacrifice, there goes the result right in the midst of your devotion, right in the midst of your heart cry, right in the midst of you releasing those words in the presence of God. As soon as I said, Father, I want to fast, I receive answers, I receive miracles. I receive breakthroughs. And then I said, what do I want to fast for? I want to fast for the passion of Christ. I want to fast for realities being made known. I want to fast not for me. I want to fast for everybody else. I want to fast that we get it and that we keep it. God said in his word, listen to me. 
God said, if we become saved, walk with him, receive his son as Lord, be baptized in Holy Spirit, and go back to anything of the old man, we are not worthy of him. We are not worthy of his love. These are words from our father. If we keep going back and forth, we are not worthy of him. See, God says, I did not give you the spirit of fear. I did not give you, in other words, the spirit of Satan. And there goes God saying, but I have given you the power. Why didn't God say, I didn't give you the spirit of Satan, but I give you the spirit of me. No, but I give you the power of me. See, the power of love. And the word is saying God is love. So fasting have you to hear more clearly. Something you always see, you can see something differently. That same mark on the wall you've been looking at since you were living in that place or working in that place. That same mark been right there. And all of a sudden, there goes a sacrifice of just having more of a passion for the things of God. And there go that mark on the wall will sit there to give you a sign all along. There goes colors. There goes smells. There goes signs. There goes visions that God is adding things to. God will show me pieces to a puzzle. And that's him saying, I'm giving you more of the picture. I'm giving you more of the vision. I'm adding more to your sight. I'm adding more to your hearing. We thinking about everything good. There's no need to even look at no bad. The good is so good, it outweighs bad. It's like, I'm going to love the whatever out of you. You understand? He said, but I'm giving you the power of myself. And that is of a sound mind. You understand? We can't go back and forth with the old mind. The moment that we decide to fast, it don't matter what your fast is. You know what? We're going to do this today. I want you to sacrifice something. I don't care what it is. If you speed on the road, you're going to slow down a little more today. Do you know God take whatever you give him? I'll take you slowing down. I'll take you watching your mouth. I'll take you, you know, receiving being to work on time. I'll take it. You're not getting over or trying to take over or trying to control someone today. I'll take it. I'll take you waking up and beginning to pray. I'll take it. You want to pray two more extra minutes? I'll take it. You don't want to scream phone calls today? I'll take it. Anytime you want to do something better, think somewhere better. Think of some place better to be in a better place. I'll take it. I'll take 1%. I'll take 3%. I'll take it. I will never dismiss your trust regarding looking at me to triumph. I'll never turn down anything that you are willing to do to become better. I will never take down, turn down your sacrifice. I would never turn away from that sweet smell of you wanting to be better. I would never turn down you making a better decision. I'll never turn down the sweet smell of you looking at me and not looking around for nothing else to be your God. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. 
I'll take it. Hallelujah. So whatever it is that you want to sacrifice, it doesn't have to be the whole day. It could be for an hour. It could be for 30 minutes. Whatever your sacrifice is, is holy and presentable, and God honors you for it. And he's going to show how much he is pleased by releasing to you what you need. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you shouldn't want. That's Therefore, he's showing you how much he supplies all your needs. And you will really have a clarification of that, really receive that in a different level, in a higher level when you decide to sacrifice. You understand? It's always going days without food. You go days without the old anything because we're walking in the new. We go back and forth with the old man all the time. Every 66 book, everybody in the book went back and forth other than Christ with the old man. Christ did not have any challenges because he did not operate in sin. He came that we be free from that place. He was just set an example by giving us an example on how to respond when these things come our way. He was modeling the right way, the right thing to do and all that we should do. Christ would never say, I changed my mind. I want to end this, but nevertheless, I'm going to think earthly, but nevertheless, he didn't bear the sin while he walked around. He carried it when he was on the cross. So he was setting an example, being the example for us to model. It's like, I'm not having to tell you guys what to do right by exposing what you did wrong. Let me just model so you can mimic the right thing to do. I'm not going to just let you feel you keep coming to work late. That means you don't care. How about I just keep coming on time and letting you know how much I love when you are there. See, love will convict. Love converts. Let love do all the work. Let love transform you into knowing that you already you. We don't have to try to be who we are. We don't have to try to be as Christ. Do you know majority of us in the Bible go every day in our worship and praise and our prayer life unto Christ is being like him? So if we're trying to be like him, then who are we actually like? See, we wouldn't know what we're saying until we decide to sacrifice. God will show us how to talk. Because God is showing us how to walk. And it's Christ-like. Truth be told, as we tell the truth, if I am working on becoming new as Christ then that means I'm still walking in the old. Because only the old can want new. New don't want new. New is new. New became aware of who it is, how it is. 
and what it can do. We cannot be a bottle that is new and try to put old wine inside of us. Cannot put new wine in old wineskin. We cannot pour a little piece of oil on a loaf of bread and think that we can just wipe it off. No, he said, throw it away and start new with a fresh loaf of bread. Why? Because even if you wipe that bread off or cut those slices off, it's still not going to be the same that came out the oven because something happened to it. So that's what God is saying. If we don't allow ourselves to start new, then we're going to still be walking in the old because we became contaminated with the old characteristics, just like Simon Barjona did. That means Simon, son of Jonah. It's so amazing that he said son of Jonah, son of a dove, son of a dove. You understand? Son of the spirit of God, which is truth. I'm calling you who you are and you're not listening. I'm about to call you a rock because upon the rock I built my church. I built my firm foundation. But you're not listening, Simon, son of truth. Because I have to ask you three times, do you love me? You know why he asked him three times? It's so much deeper than him denying Christ three times. So he's going to call him forth three times. One for himself, one for, you know, his father, one for Holy Spirit. Is that too, but it's more deeper than that. Because Simon didn't say anything. Why are you calling me Simon? You changed my name to Peter. You called me Simon by Jonah before you called me Peter. You said you promoted me. You said, I have excelled. Why are you calling me something that was in the past? Because you're acting like you're from the past, Simon. I'm going to call you to get your attention to know that you've already been called. It took Christ to ask him the third time. Why? Because he remembered. He's calling me from the old man. Even though he knows that's not my name, but he's trying to gain my attention because I'm acting as the old man and my life is no longer the same. See, the old man dead, that don't mean the old man is around. No, the old man is on the ground. So to replace that, I have to pick up the cross instead of that. So if I pick up the old man, that means I put the cross down. So, hey, Simon. And he still didn't get it. He's like, why is he calling me Simon? But yes, I do love you. Call him again. Simon, yes, I do love you. Feed my sheep. Simon. And a third time in the Bible, it says in John 21st chapter, 15 verse on down, it says, and Peter wept. That means he got it. Anytime we lose sight, anytime we forget we have picked up the old man. If I forget that God supplied my needs, I picked up the old man. Because the old man was not aware of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. The new man can only receive the gifts. 
because the new man walk in spirit and in truth. The old man walked in flesh and in lies. So if I begin to deny what God can do, then I have picked the old man back up again. And God is saying, Quinesia, Bar Jonah, you are a son of God. And it doesn't mean literally a man, a son, a child of God. You are a son of God. You're not a son of mine. Don't forget your anointing. Don't forget about your patience. Don't forget about how you look. Don't forget about how you hear. Don't forget about how you walk. Don't forget about what you said yes to. Don't forget about your perseverance. Don't forget about you wanting to see it through. Don't forget about you wanting to fulfill. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget how much you praise. Don't forget how much you put in your praise. Don't forget how much you give thanks. Don't forget how much you sacrifice with your thanks. Don't forget that you step forward and move forward and keep on watching forward. Don't forget that you crumble down mountains. Don't forget that you see storms. Don't forget you have the power to break every chain. Don't forget you can pull down any stronghold. Don't forget you are an intercessor. Don't get mad. You intercede. Don't be mad. Be glad you have the victory. Don't lose sight. Don't ever become Quenisha by Jonah again. But become Quenisha, a woman of God. And you stay that way. Same goes for you. Anytime that we forget who we are by what we say and what we do, how we respond. A lot of times we respond out of emotion and try to place it in the presence of God. We just want to say and have the last word. Because we don't know, we don't want anyone to think we are sucker. What is a sucker? No, really, in the presence of God, I'm not talking about man's way. Because when you talk with God and you talk to God and you walk with God, you're going to begin to speak like Him. What is a sucker? Did God ever use that word? Now, I know sometimes we use ebonics and all of that, but you got to look at some of these words that were given for us to use. What is a sucker? A person that's being sucked? Into thinking a lie that you're weak and that it's wrong to be weak. When the Bible says, when you are weak, my strength is made perfect. So I can deny being weak. So I gotta protect myself. You're not gonna come at me like that. I got we gotta talk, y'all. We 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 got we gotta hang out, y'all. We 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 gotta email y'all. We we gotta go to lunch and talk over dinner, even y'all. I can't take this. I gotta go to my boys, I gotta go to my girls, I gotta go to my folks, and we're gonna just gossip this thing away. The old man passed away. The old man passed away. Sometimes it's best to look and smile. Holy Spirit gives us words, which is our heavenly language, to edify ourselves. What does that mean? To uplift us, to remember, to not be conformed, to remain transformed. If I ever have a feeling in my heart or my mind that you better be glad that God told me to be quiet, then I'm not walking in the new man. 
Because the new man doesn't think that way. Because Christ never said things in that nature. What he said was, I can call angels to come. I don't want you guys to think that I don't have any help. I don't want you to think that I'm losing. Because one of these angels could chase away a thousand of your issues. I want you to know that. But I choose to walk this thing out as it is written for me to do. God has written a plan for Satan to be overtaken and prevail not because he calls it upon himself. And there goes God writing because of Christ. We have been brought back. There goes writing about what God called Christ to do here. Isn't that amazing? And it's in the Bible. The entire Bible portrays the coming of Christ. Zephaniah mentioned the Lord's coming 21 times in his book. The coming of the Lord. Habakkuk mentioned it maybe four times. But I love the story of Habakkuk because Habakkuk was God's conclusion. It wasn't no more going back and forth as to I'm about to just get rid of everything that I have said about my people and they just being rebellious. I'm about to just keep them in the cycles of discipline. No, Habakkuk, his book was letting us know that the cycle, they no longer operate in them anymore because now here comes a better way of an escape. And ever since Habakkuk, God's been talking about the goodness of what he's going to do. It was no more of God's heaviness at heart. No more hearing about too much of God's jealousy. But sometimes God still had to set a reminder. But it was not coming from jealousy. It was coming from you not receiving because he's gracious to keep you blessed and away from the curse. See, a lot in the old covenant, it was like, you know what? That's on you. And the power of life and death is still up to us. But thank God that Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Hallelujah. It's not going to take you long to realize, hold up, I just made a mistake. It took them years. It took them 50 years, 60 years to repent. And God says in the word, while they were in the wilderness, 40 years, they did not repent. Oh, wow. No, God says there's a difference between crying out and repenting. Repenting me, I have been delivered. God said, no, they just cried out because they wanted the punishment to stop. But I was trying to get them to be delivered, that they're the ones who's causing their own punishment. Because I'm the one who said, this is what, what's going to happen if you do. So they're trying to get me to change what I said concerning what they're doing. But I'm not going to change. I don't change my mind. I'm trying to deliver you to stop making that decision so you can stop encountering what I said not to do. Come on. Hallelujah. So sacrifice something today. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, everybody has something to sacrifice. Sacrifice it today. Don't sacrifice it because you want to become better. No, sacrifice it because you know that you are better. You're not trying to become. You're not trying to possess what's already in you. 
just quiet yourself and just let him show you what he wants to reveal and say to you. Let me tell you what God showed me. It was me and like six, seven women. We all were dressed so royal, but it was like home attire, like wives. <laughs> and we all had one baby in front of us, seven of us. And every child had on like a top hat and like a peacoat. It was just, it was uh, symbolic, like a royal lifestyle, a heavenly royal lifestyle. And every child was the same age. And what God was symbolizing is this is what real housewives look like. This is what prosperity look like on a woman of God who has a family. God was showing me with these women along with myself that the picture was us with our child. And they all were happy. Because it's too many of these reality, earthly reality shows about women who married. Do you know a housewife? First of all, you have to know what a housewife is. It's not a woman at home and a man who's working. No, it means you're walking in purpose. Because you are responsible to keep the house flowing smoothly. Keeping the priorities in order. That is ministry. You do that outside the house. You do that in your walk. You're created to do that right now. By interceding regarding your purpose. Because that is your purpose to fulfill. One out of many things that you are assigned to complete. One task out of many. A housewife is a wife who keeps the house a home. That's a housewife. Whether you in the home or working outside and then coming back home, it doesn't matter. You are still a housewife. God said everybody is a housewife. He said, I could say a home wife, but housewife sounds more, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Rewarding to many of us to say regarding phrasing words. Every woman who's, you know, desiring marriage, you are a housewife. That's your identity to keep the house a home standing upon a solid foundation. And what's so amazing is that me and these women, we all had the same look, but not look alike. It means the same glory from God, the same prosperity, life of abundance from God. And it was in these kids. Every one of us had one child at that time. And there was like seven of us with seven babies, the same age right in front of us. And what got me in his dream is that they had on these top hats, peacoats, and they all had on a sports type of jersey. And I'm like, what is that about? <laughs> yeah, they were looking sporty, but very, you know, ah, in the game. I get it. Thank you, Father. And, you know, just royalty. It's like you got a royal outfit, you know, glamour outfits, but, you know, athletic gear underneath, you know, to, that you can see. 
and it looked very nice, but everybody had, you know, some type of representation of the team that they liked, whether it was a soccer team, whether it was a swim team, you represented that jersey. I'm not going to tell you what jersey. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what jersey I had for my child. No, no. Oh, God. Yeah. But just, uh, just, yeah. There's an assignment connected to that jersey. Let me tell you what it is. I don't mind. God wants me to email the head coach and give them a fresh revelation. Give them a fresh revelation, you know, so they can prosper in all that they do. Because no team ever just want to keep losing to just get paid when they know they are getting paid by the fans. No one wants to keep letting fans down year by year. There are some things that need to happen. They need to kill the root of a lot of things. Let's talk about that for a second. If a team is built upon a fence, that's Satan. You can't prosper with that. You know, the team was called Redskins. And we thought it was okay because that's all we knew. But people who know, know the history of it. It was an offense to the Indians. Christopher Columbus never discovered anything that was already accounted for you know, it's so much with that that I'm not going to get into detail all about the whole reason of why the pilgrims sat down with the Indians. The pilgrims were really cowboys. They were, the, they were men on horses and mules. I'm telling you. And everybody is not, you know, to represent what they have done negatively because everybody don't think that way. Just like every Caucasian is not racist. Many of them helped us out. Just like Abraham Lincoln. There goes the Declaration of Emancipation in 1864, but they let, made the law in effect 1865. Why? It took a whole year for them to pass the bill. They gave that man hell. You mean you want to free them and let them get pension? They was working for free. You crazy, you white jerk. Why? Because he grew up as a religious boy. He didn't really care for his parents much. And he grew up living with another relative. He couldn't just, he, he had slaves himself, but he couldn't, it was just a thing to do. Like everybody driving cars, a thing to do. But he realized this is not okay. I'm encountering God and these people don't want to, they're doing this being forced. They're not doing this because they want to do this. This is not okay, guys. We can't do this. We can't get away with this. Shut up, Abraham. Who voted for you anyway? And he was murdered not too long after he passed the law. He was murdered. And the guy who murdered him, he was murdered. That's like Malcolm X. You thought that, you know, Muslims was just for blacks and it was just against every other culture. The white man is a pig. And you know, how are you going to be religious and be disrespectful? That's offense. It took him to go to jail and see other men in other places that he received a revelation. It's not just for blacks. 
I'm seeing Arabs who love God. I'm seeing Asians. He's seeing the whole world. That's why he stopped wearing the pearls. That's why he stopped dating the white women. Because they tried to make him be racist. The white man this, the white. It's about the black man this and the black. Don't you deny your culture. No names mentioned. People talking about leading him and leading those over the ones who leaded him in the past. Talking about how to be so natural and not to dis, you know, regard your heritage. But you're walking around with liposuction. You're walking around with a facelift. You're walking around with a perm. Sit down, please. You're making a fool out of yourself. Dating Brazilians, but you're talking about how to date in your race, how to not be with the white man, no any man, but yet you walking with a Brazilian with a facelift and a perm. You better sit down, Satan. You don't know how me and my father thinks. Now imagine me saying that in the crowd. Jesus, that's not what he would have us to do. Just like someone said, that was the key to kill Malcolm X. Get your hand out my pocket. To have everybody look at the person because the shooters wanted to look at Malcolm. And they got upset. Now you're trying to turn everybody to love all. Now what kind of organization of hate is this? Come on, someone. I said to one man one day, he was outside selling bean pies. And he said, you know, would you want bean pie, my sister? No, thank you. And all I can feel is racism all on him. So I said, you know, I have a question. Yes. Where is the nation of Islam? What nation is it? What do you mean? You said you are under the nation of Islam. What nation is that on the map? I never seen that nation. I seen Antarctica, Australia, Africa, North America, South America, Europe, you understand, I, I don't see a nation that say Islam. Where is that on the map? Oh, it's just an organization. Oh, okay, thank you. He probably went back and spread it that. Hey, guys, there is, is, why we call ourselves a nation of Islam? We're not even on the map as no nation of no Islam. <laughs> Picture that. <laughs> you understand? Holy Spirit did that. Holy Spirit did that. I went to a shelter on 2nd and D Street, and I was, you know, being used by God so graciously. And everybody was honoring this man who was a Muslim. They was like, he knows, he knows so much theology. I said, you know what? It's not about when it came about. It's how it came about. Excuse me, no. What I said was, it's not about how it came about. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's why it came about. If you focus on how so much, you're going to take away from the why it exists. Oh, people start listening to me. They looking like, okay, no one goes back and forth with this man. And I wasn't either. But Holy Spirit wanted to use me to shut him up because he was leading too many wrong. I mean, it was like at least 50 people walk around him. He is the God of Islam. And there goes God using me, this one woman that looks like David, so short, so petite, dressed down, don't even look like I know anything. And God used me to say one thing to this man. You believe Christ is a prophet, correct? 
Yes, I do. That's it. Just a prophet. Not no Messiah, not no son of God, like people say and all that. He's just a prophet. Now you believe in your heart with all your being, he's a prophet. You're giving him that title and what comes with that, right? Yeah. So what did he prophesy about since you believe he's a prophet? So if you believe he's a prophet, you believe what he prophesied about. You would call him a prophet. Yeah. So what did he prophesy about? To come and save the world. Okay, so you believe that he prophesied that and you believe he is a prophet regarding that, but you don't believe what he prophesied about? So you call him something that you don't believe for him to carry out and do? That don't make sense, does it? Well, I never thought of it. Hold on, wait a second. He started getting mad, but he had to stop himself. The crowd looking like, ooh, but I was saying, ooh. It wasn't me, Holy Spirit. And he said, you know what? No one never shutted me up like that before. It had me to really think. It had me to think. If I call him a prophet and he prophesied about what he was coming here to do, then why don't I believe if I call him a prophet? That's a good good question. You understand? Anytime someone talk you into racism, that's not God. I thank God that Christ don't even expose how he really looked. Because many a hop on, oh, it, he looked more like us. No, he looks like every single one of us. I've seen him. There's every culture, every something in him at once. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. I'm going to give you guys a mystery that God had me to see in the middle round. Because I can see overall in the middle round. When it comes to races, God mixed them up. He mixed them up. But you know what's so powerful is that the African culture is very dominant. Why? Because of the color. There's no other race that color. I don't care if you're from a different nation, but you still of that color. You understand? And what's so amazing about it is you can see that this is what each nation represents when it comes to the look of the culture. You have Africans. I'm not talking about African-American. That's a mixture. I mean, 100% dominant, not recessive, without any mixture. That's just like black without adding white to make gray. No, black. All colors that cannot be mixed. And when it comes to the races, it's African, Caucasian, Asian, and that's it. It's Asia, and that's where a lot of the Persians and all of them were. It was actually in the nation of Asia. Many of them that Paul preached to in all the Caesarea, Assyria, all of the Athens, they were looking Asian. You have Asian, you have African, and you have Caucasian. Now, the mixtures of that you can see in people. Hispanics look like white mixed with, you understand, Asian. And you have the Indians look like black mixed with, you understand, a different type of Caucasian. And those who are spread all around like we all are, there is a mixture of each of those three in all of us. You can't 
look like an Asian without being one. There's no other race that look Asian but Asian. There are people and races that has Asian and something else because it's the mixture of the culture. Just like you have African-American, you have African and Caucasian, African, and, and that's why many look mixed today. Because it's a mixture of those three everywhere. Filipinos, they look like Asian and white. Alaskans look like Asian and white. <laughs> Hispanic can pass for white and black. Because many that have a mixture of white and black look like Spanish people. You can see how the three mixed out and have everybody to look the way they do. That's why they have some in Africa with blue eyes, green eyes, blonde hair. You understand? That's why some blacks have freckles, red hair. That's why some Spanish... People can pass for being black, but looking light. It's a mixture of African, Caucasian, and Asia mixed all together in everybody. If you see how Paul and them looked, they don't look like how people from Greece look now. Because they begin to separate the nations and spread them out because many things were being built. If you look at the map 18, let's see, 1800 years ago, it's not going to be the way how it looks now. You can look at it 300 years ago. It doesn't look the way it does now. They add onto the map every time something is built to be on the map. Hallelujah. You see a little bit of those three in every person you can identify when you see it. Just like Ethiopians, they look like Indians mixed with black. Because Indians look like black with white, but more of the black skin tone, but have the white texture of hair. And Spanish have more of an Asian texture. That's why some Spanish have slanted eyes and more straighter hair. And for those who have more of a curlier hair, it's more of the black and the white. Because majority of the mixture of black and white, the hair is going to be curly. It's not going to be straight. Not necessarily. Majority of people here who are mixed with white is curly because of the mixture of the African heritage. You can see each race in each of us who are you know, having that in the bloodline. And some of us have them all. And some of us don't even look like it, but we really do. And that's why some things pass down so far. Like, I don't know who in my family has freckles and blonde hair, but it's somebody. And we have chinky eyes. 
Well, I do. My cousin do. I don't see nobody else. <laughs> it was so much to the point when I was young, they thought I was adopted. I was so scared. Mom, they said I'm adopted. Do I belong in this family? Girl, yes, please. Stop teasing her. <laughs> yeah. I thank God the pictures that I see, I don't see, you know, the gold hair. I could see it's, it's you know, corduroy could show more of darkness. So you can see my hair dark, but it's not dark. It's just the shadow of the picture. I was called Goldilocks all the time. Every day, there's a new freckle on me. I'm telling you, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, there's a new freckle that comes on me some way every day. And they're beautiful, but I'm like, who is who has that? <laughs> you understand? You may look black with Asian features, slanted eyes, round face. You may have every feature <laughs> as a culture. For real, though. And what people do is they identify themselves as a clan because we all look like this. Like Ethiopians look like that. Egyptians, they all look like that. <laughs> but somewhere down the line, one would mix it up by being in love with somebody just like, thank you, God, just like, what's his name? Moses and his wife. Just like Moses and his wife. They thought she wasn't for him because of her race. There was a mixture that came from them too. But thank God he chosen the woman that God gave him because she was the one who spared him from the angel coming to do whatever he was going to do because Moses did something that was disrespectful unto God. So what she did was quickly took her son and cut off his foreskin and gave him to the angel. Here, here's the sacrifice. Spare my husband. And the angel did. And God stopped what he was about to do. And don't tell him what he's going to do to Moses. He probably would have, you know, stroke him dead then. He did something. And the Bible doesn't mention what Moses done. Look it up. Moses done something to dishonor God. And his wife, who everybody who said, said, no, she's not for you. She's not the right race, not the right woman. She cut off her son's foreskin and given it to God. Don't take my husband. Now, no other woman would have done that. Just like Saul promised David his eldest daughter. You take Goliath, you get my eldest daughter, your family don't have to pay taxes, and you guys can, you know, come up really high fast. Your whole family be blessed. He got Goliath's head in his hand. Abner asks, who is this guy? Saul asks Abner, who are you? And David come and let him know who he is. And he got tricked into marrying the youngest daughter instead. And even the youngest daughter that he had first, he had her marry another guy. And she was the one that wasn't promised to David. But because Saul tried to trick him into getting the youngest one, the eldest one, because she was already with somebody. The youngest one was the one who favored him and spared him his life. See how God moves? Now, had he married the one he wanted, he would have been dead. But the one he didn't want, God spared him with her. Because she the one told him to go through the window and get up out of here. Because my father is seeking to kill you. So they go in there and look, where is David? She said he's, she made up a little, you know, dummy and covering it up like that's him sleeping. He's not feeling good. So they went back to Saul three times. He said, just go get him. 
Don't give Timmy no excuse. I want him dead. So they pulled the cover back and Saul was just, you know, a dummy. And her father said, why did you let him get away? Why did you trade me? Betray me. And she said, he told me if I didn't let him go, he would kill me. Of course, she lied her way out of it or she would have gotten it. He wanted David dead so bad that he was willing to kill his own kids. He was trying to kill his own son, Jonathan. He threw arrows at him to kill him at a table filled with guests during a time of a holy celebration, a feast. Because you let him go to Ramah to see Samuel and he lied and says with his family, I know you let him leave. So the one that he didn't want was the one who spared him. And once Saul died, Abner said, I'm on your side now because they begin to turn on Abner after all he'd done for Saul. Saul had a son that survived the battle. The only two died was the ones that God said was going to die. Just like God prophesied Eli's two sons to die. The same day. So the son that survived was trying to be king and he was doing it in a defiling way. And Abner, he was turning on Abner and Abner said, I work with your father. I help your father's rule and reign for years. I have risked my life. You try to curry me? He fought Abner. Abner said, get away. I'm not trying to hurt you, young man. I, I killed for your father and you trying to come at me. But I knew your father before you were born. Don't, don't. And Abner was going back and forth with Saul's son. And Saul's son put his hands on him. And Abner murdered him and had to go on a run because they were going to come out there. So Abner said to David, I now work for you. I'm going to give you the whole kingdom of Saul. He got pissed. I'm going to give you everything that your enemies try to take from you. And David said, before I make any negotiation, go get my wife. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, go ahead. Don't play with you, David. Go get my wife. Who was his wife? Saul's youngest daughter that he didn't want at first because she spared him. She told me to run. She let me hide out. She put me before her father. She chose in the right thing to do. She chose Christ's blood over biological blood. Yeah, I want that as a wife because I can trust her. Go get my wife. <laughs> go get my wife. Hallelujah. I just like that. Yeah. <laughs> Go get my wife. Stop lying. <laughs> because some of us look at women. Oh, you just, you dress so well or you shake so nice. You look at your long hair and treat you like crap. That God have beauty in your woman or your man of God. That's unbelievable that you're not even trying to recognize because you look at somewhere that's why many of us still single now. We look at somewhere else. We have a whole different description than a description that is unbelievable if we just look at God's description what he has for us. I want to stand up. Jesus. I am definitely a model of Christ. And what I mean by that, the new life, Christ-like. A lie living that way, it sucks. 
Like God said, I'm just looking for somebody to say that. I'll say it sucks. You understand? He's looking for someone who's just going to, you know, release the truth. When you see the truth for what it is, you're like, what in the world was I thinking? What? Not even paying you no mind. My God. Come over here. Come hither. Start speaking different. Come hither. <laughs> God. That man in that story, Romeo say, I mean, who said it? Wafa Atha. Wafa Atha Romeo. Jesus. Wafa Atha. Start speaking in all kinds of ways. Because you stop tripping. Many men looking at this and looking at that. You better stop looking and women stop looking and look at God. And what he want to do is so much better than you can ever find him. Here go David. He tried to give me the, the youngest one, but that's the one who really helps me. That's the one who I, who I really need. That's the one who's really beautiful. I'm looking at the oldest one. No, it's the young. What's up, sweetheart? <laughs> Go back. He told Abner, go get my wife. <laughs> I just like that part. <laughs> ah, do you understand? And he went to go get her. Now imagine that she's in the palace. You know, your father's dead. You know, you know that. Your brother's too. I just killed your other brother. But, you know, David's calling you. He's about to rule. And you can imagine how happy she was because she was against the whole thing all along. David was like a brother to her, but not related. They were family. He took him in as a son, but started hating him. Because everybody began to praise him because he felt like, you know, that's his father and he knows that's his spiritual son and he's, you know, better and people going to think he better than me. So I'm going to start getting jealous. No, the thing is, you have to know that you have completed and you're completing your assignment, your task as a leader, because if the person who's under you are showing their potential, which is far more greater than what you have accomplished because it gets greater with time, then you are doing the right thing. Don't let nobody tell you something different. You think I'm going to get mad at my son because he's doing more than I have done? You're supposed to. That's why I'm equipping you. That's why I'm equipped to equip you. He said, raise them and show them in the way they should go. So that's showing me I'm doing the right thing. Don't play with my son. Hey, 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 hey. You understand? For real? That's not easy. No, it's not. But it's worth it. Yes, it is. I want to go back to that part. Go get my wife. <laughs> go get my wife. Go tell that angel. Go get my wife. Okay. Walk her little heels on. Okay. Left, right, left, right. So no. <laughs> God said, that's what you want? <laughs> no. Father, don't do that to me. <laughs> I just like that. It's cute. Yeah, I love that. God said, whenever you pray, it's saying, go get. Whenever you give thanks, it's saying, go get. Whenever you continue to stand, it's saying, go get what belongs to me. Not just my wife. Go get my manifestations of this property. Go get this soul. Go get this family restoration. Go get this whatever. I just started naming stuff. Go get whatever God promised me. We're saying, go get it with the angels who's commissioned to go and release it. Every time we praise, every time we stand, every time we decree and decree, every time we push pace, we're saying, go get what belongs to me. Hallelujah. I love you. My time for now. Oh, stop crying. I'll be back. <laughs> ah, 
was like, oh, I'm stop playing. It's so early in the morning for this. But guess what? Hey, greater is he who's in us than he's in the world. I love you.